0: Now what will it be? Death or exile?
1: Welcome everybody to the Film Exiles podcast. Today, we have the honor and privilege to have with us a very special guest. We're going to shine a spotlight on her incredible Hollywood career so far. We're going to do a little digging into what she might have coming up ahead. And we're basically going to try and get to know her a little better. Ladies and gentlemen, Danielle Bergio. Hello. Hey, Danielle. <laughs> hey, thanks
0: so much for having me. This is fun. No, I'm already having fun. We haven't even started yet.
1: <laughs> that's true. That's true. And of course, I won't be interviewing you alone, Danielle, because the moment one of my fellow film exiles found out that we would be interviewing someone who worked on Matrix movies, it was decided for me that he would be joining us. I am, of course, joined by my regular partner in crime, Lupe. Lupe. <laughs>
0: Hello,
2: Lupe. Hey, guys, hi, Danny. It's very nice to meet you. It's trust me on my end. It's an honor. Okay, uh, I this is exciting for me.
0: It's it's an honor for me as well. So thank you for having me.
1: Definitely, definitely. And Lupe, I think you want to kick off this with some uh, very important questions for our times.
2: Yes. Um the the most important question to to start off okay is does pineapple belong on pizza first let's start right there
0: absolutely not no it's a hard no oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i'm heartbroken so i'm a traditional pizza lover over here um I'm you. I'm yeah. you. although i will say i do like some pineapples so i would, i'm not opposed to having a pizza and then having some pineapple for dessert see
1: that's how humans eat lupe this is how we're supposed to eat
0: but to each his own you know (laughs) i I, it takes all all kinds and if we're going to share a pizza we can put pineapple on your half and i just won't touch it that's okay
2: (laughs) okay nice see i like that you know everyone we ask the question you know is a hardliner. i like that you know you accounted for for a bit of diplomacy i like it good start (laughs) good (laughs) Right. So, Danielle, how are you holding up uh, during quarantine? You know, this is a very um, a very strange time for everyone. How are you, your family, your loved one doing uh, in this uh, difficult period?
0: Oh, thank you for asking about my family. They're all doing well. They're in North Carolina um, and they're all together. So they have each other and they're an essential business. So they're still working and haven't, you know, I mean, obviously things have changed big time for a lot of people. For me personally, um, I think because you know when you're in the entertainment industry, it, you kind of become a professional at being unemployed and um, having long bouts of time where you're not working or you're home. Or I'm always having to find ways to be creative and be productive in between some of the movies that I'm doing. So aside from the fact that I really miss my friends and I really miss being able to go out for a good meal and a glass of wine and see somebody face to face, It's kind of not that um, different for me on a day-to-day, although the impact of what's happening in the world is so huge, and I'm a very spiritually-minded person, so I've really been taking this time to... Do a lot of self-reflecting, and so many silver linings have come for me. Like it's kind of astounding the silver linings that that I'm able to see in my life, and that not at all to take away from the horrors that a lot of people are facing. The, you know, people who can't pay their bills, and people who have loved ones who have passed. Mm-hmm. Um, the medical workers and everything they're doing and going through. Um, I support them. I, you know, I do what I can to raise awareness or donate funds or I've gone to donate blood a couple of times. Those things are all real. However, on the flip side of things, you know, I really see people slowing down, becoming more in self introspective, connecting with family and friends. And mm-hmm. I've had so many conversations with people that as we move forward out of this, the things that they wanna take into this new world. And for me Absolutely. too, I Absolutely. really redefined a mm-hmm. lot of what's important to me. I think coming out of this, I'm gonna move a lot slower. I'm gonna cook at home a lot more. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cherish um, my time with my loved ones in a different way. Mm. Yeah, so all all of it. It's a lot. It's it's a lot. This is huge. I mean, we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime, and in a way, Mm -hmm. I feel blessed to be a part of it.
2: You have enough tissue paper and hand sanitizer. That's you got the right. I I was
0: so lucky that somebody tipped me off early about the toilet paper (laughs) scarcity. And a friend of mine said, I to three stores and I can't find any. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And the next day I was at the grocery store and there was like a, you know, the shelves were full of them at that time. This is before lockdown. And so I grabbed, you know, just one big roll. And then I started rationing. Like, I'm like, okay, how many squares for, you know. (laughs) how many squares can i get away with so i've been rationing and do you know i i still have like a roll and a half left from that which i bought like in early march that's
2: hilarious
0: so i'm good (laughs) at least for another week or so (laughs)
1: that's brilliant that's brilliant (laughs) um danielle you mentioned that you're from north carolina initially um and you're now in, in in la but your name bergio yeah, doesn't really sound well what what is an American name really what is your family background
0: well um, I actually grew up originally in New York okay. um, and so I started in Astoria before we moved to North Carolina when I was 11 so New York's really kind of my roots but my father Bergio um, We're three generations here in the US, but his ancestors are from Sicily and there is a little town Uh And of course if you're Italian, you say Borgio. So there's a little town called Borgio in um, Sicily that my ancestors are from on my father's side and then my mom is Polish-Romanian. Her father was from Romania and her mother, my grandmother, who is the love of my life, was Mm -hmm. from Poland. So I'm Um a I'm a mutt.
1: You, you're a European like me. Lupe, you, you have a mixed background as well. I have a mixed background. I'm from all over the place, really. Like It's a running joke within the film Exiles, like, what continent are you from today? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I've got a bit of everything. <laughs> so,
0: I guess we all that's, are that's at that's this what, point, you know?
2: Yeah, that's what the world is, is, is now. It's the United Nations. You know, everyone is from, you know, all over the place, from Europe, from... Africa, you have you know, people from you know South America, and you know, yeah, it's it's beautiful. I love that. definitely. We
1: are a um a cosmopolitan group. So when did you move from um from New York?
0: So when we I was in the middle of the fifth grade, I was about mm. eleven years old. and it is let me just say to any parents out there listening, it is really mean yeah. to make your <laughs> child move in the middle of the fifth grade.
1: but then then you worked on Broadway right so what was it like going back right for that kind of thing
0: my parents right so we moved to North Carolina and then I was like as soon as I'm old enough I am gonna run back to New York because I'm a New Yorker and that's what I did like straight out of school I um well when we moved to North Carolina my mom uh put me in a dance class in hopes that I would you know make more friends and Um, you know, just have an opportunity to start, you know, getting my feet wet in a new community. And I really took to that, like dancing became something that was such a big part of my life and also connected me sort of to the performing world, right? Doing musical theater and acting and all that. And I fell in love with it. So as soon as I was old enough, right out of school, I said, right, I'm going back to New York. I'm going to be on Broadway. And my parents were like, okay, well, how long are you going to give it <laughs> if it doesn't happen you know of course they always believed in me but as parents too you know they thought well maybe she'll be a dance teacher or maybe she'll be this like i don't think any parent really wants their child to go and pursue uh, an acting career or a career on broadway or anything like that because they know it's very how risky I- isn't it very risky and you're facing so much rejection and it's a tough you know it's a tough thing but I was determined and they supported me which was amazing Mm -hmm. and I got very lucky actually was my very first audition it was for Starlight Express which Mm -hmm. was an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical that was at the Gershwin Theater it was playing already for a year and I was very young and I go to this audition and it was a long process but the long and the short of it is I got the role. So first audition and wow. I'm on Broadway for yeah. my first oh, wow. year in New York. And that kind of was what set me on my path.
2: Wow, that's mm. amazing. I, I have a I have a follow up question. You, you talk about how the career of an actress, um, you know, you have lulls of, of not having work and then, you know, you feel rejection. I mean, you are a very successful performer, actress, filmmaker. How have you navigated those waters mentally how how do you do it what advice would you give to young people either venturing into your field or just in any field in life where they may face rejection and face difficult times um what what advice do you have for people
0: Yeah, that's hard because, you know, you can give all the advice in the world, but at the end of the day, it's just the mileage and over time you develop a thicker and a thicker and a thicker skin. So people can tell you like, hey, don't take things personally. Uh, I had an old coach that used to say, you want to have the skin of a rhinoceros, but the heart of a baby, Mm -hmm. right, to make it in this business and and Mm -hmm. that's really true. So it's, I guess my advice would be to just stick with it and to know that everybody f- feels that pain. That's a part of the process of being an artist is going through that pain, but also to just be very um, diligent in your work and your craft and just keep working at it. And cause you can always grow and always be better and always be stronger. And just to know that that's a process um, and there'll be wins along the way You'll have one win and then you'll have like, you know, 20 non-wins. <laughs> no. Um, you'll have a lot of tears. And then, you know, when you when something clicks, for me personally and for a lot of artists that I know, like when that clicks, the feeling is so fulfilling and so amazing that it will help you sustain all the rejection and all oh. the ones that you didn't get. You know, and over time you learn it's not really. So I mean part of it is obviously your talent but it's just so Mm -hmm. many things that have to line up in order for you to get that role or that position or that stunt doubling job or that you know whatever it is there's a lot of elements that have to line up and it's it's not really always about you or your talent you have to bring that but Mm -hmm. you also have to respect the business and know that there's just other elements and and so also studying the business, studying other aspects of whatever area you're in, if it's film and filmmaking so that you can kind of better understand the bigger picture and kind of get the ego out of it as much as possible.
1: Well, right. you, you, you briefly touched on um, your stunt work there. How did your dancing career and your career on Broadway, how did that prepare you for stunt work?
0: Well funny enough I when I did Starlight Express I had absolutely no inkling that I would ever become a stunt woman but that show was all on roller skates and we had like these bridges and tunnels and these big drops and stuff so I think that was like a maybe a little bit of foreshadowing <laughs> into <laughs> the stunt world but as a dancer it's everything is physical movement mm-hmm. right and it's a lot of choreography It's just physical sensibility, which is exactly what stunts are as well. And there's a lot of stunt coordinators that love working with dancers for that reason. At the same time, there are some habits that I formed as a dancer that were very, made it more difficult for me when I started doing especially like martial arts because I was so used to pointing my toes and creating beautiful lines with my arms, and they were like, uh, no, you got uh, blew up by a fireball, so, so you don't look like I always, almost
1: get visions of you being next to an explosion and you you diving out like you're from Swan Lake or something.
0: You don't want to do that. Um, So you know there were some challenges with that but in terms of like choreography and just the body mechanics, um, so one of my very very first stunt jobs I got to do an ARAM and that's actually very rare. Like, usually you'll be in this stunt business for a while and have to work your way up before you get to do something like that. Yeah. It was a matter of just very quickly learning how to do it. And so, uh, Jeff Imada was the stunt coordinator and he puts me on it, he explains it to me, he demonstrates it, mm-hmm. and then I do it. And I do it the first time and he says, okay, the next time you need to pitch a little bit more forward, you know, you need to get this part of your body more in this position. And as a dancer, I just understood that because I had the really good body awareness. So that's just an example of how and, it- And,
2: and what stunt together. was that? Could you describe what stunt that is to us?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, this was on uh, one of my first movies, John Carpenter's *Vampires*. I'm a vampire hiding in a clo- like a behind a closet door as the team is coming through looking. And when James Woods opens the door, uh, I come leaping out, and it it basically an Arium is a high pressure situation under your feet that catapults you through oh. the air. So oh. it catapulted me through the air. So I'm basically. <sighs> Fly through the air and had to land on this other stunt guy's back and then the fight ensues. And it's like, don't hit your head on the beam. Don't take (laughs) your actor. Don't take out the cameraman who's standing right here. You know, um, so all, all of the fun elements.
1: What is the most dangerous stunt you've ever performed?
0: The most dangerous? Oh, let's see. Um, (laughs) I guess, well, I did, one of the ones that I was really proud of was I was doing a, it was a TV series where the character had to jump from one building to another building. And the trick was that she actually had to miss the second building, like catch her foot on the ledge of the building and then grab on with her arms. And I had only, I did have a safety wire on, obviously, Mm because they couldn't, they couldn't afford (laughs) the possibility that I would plummet to my death. Um however it was just to catch me in case of like, you know, a fatal accident. It's not yeah. like it was it wasn't helping me, assisting me or anything like that. So I had yeah, to I mean, make
1: you could you could still hit your face, for example, on the ledge of the other building.
0: Absolutely. Um and and you know, if you miss something like that and do just kind of plummet, that it could it could be um it could yeah. hurt. It yeah. could hurt. <laughs> There's that. I don't know. <laughs> if that was the most dangerous. But for me, that was like really got my heart rate up pretty heavily.
2: <laughs> you know, uh, um, Tom Cruise. He he broke his leg on Mission Impossible. Yeah. On a stunt that kind of reminds me a little bit of something like that. Um, he was jumping from a building to to another, and he, I think he he used his foot to stop himself while grabbing the the other ledge and his foot just broke, so.
0: Right, yes.
1: And it's this kind of stuff which really grinds my gears with respect to the Academy. Um, I've got really strong opinions on this. I was actually wondering what what your perspective is being a stunt performer yourself about the lack of Academy acknowledgement for the work of stunt performers and, and stunt crews.
0: Oh, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a sore spot. And I think what people don't realize is I think a lot of the general public feels like what we're fighting for. And there is quite a fight that's going on. And it's been going on for a number of years. Um, and the Academy has just been refusing to acknowledge. It. It's not just the stunt performers. And yes, the stunt performers add a lot and they deserve their credit. But bigger than that they don't have an Oscar for the stunt coordinator. And the stunt coordinator is the person who works with the director to design all of the action sequences. Mm -hmm. So it's not just performing them, it's literally designing them and oftentimes setting up shots and the camera and everything. So even that person, the head of the department is not being recognized. And if you think about some of the films that, you know, some of these academy winning movies if you took the action out of you know hacksaw ridge Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have a movie i mean Mm -hmm. and just or you know look at the joker from this year Mm -hmm. there was action there revenant or Mm even once upon Mm -hmm. a time in hollywood like if you pull Mm -hmm. the action out of these movies there what what do you have left Mm -hmm. it's the only major department head aside from casting directors that are not acknowledged and considering it's such a vital part of the actual storytelling and filmmaking it is just Unacceptable that they are still not recognizing.
1: I struggle to get to grips with the logic involved because, for example, there's Academy Awards for visual effects, for directing, obviously, for acting, for musical score, for all of these things. how
0: they have two awards for sound, like sound yeah. mixing and sound. <laughs> editing, sound you know? yeah. and, and, and great, s- they deserve their recognition.
1: Absolutely. But- And these are all vital parts of creating a film that if you remove them it's not going to be as good or as prestigious as it otherwise would I can't understand the logic of not recognizing another element of film it it just makes no sense to me
0: yeah nor can I and if anybody listening wants to join our cause you can um, follow there's a hashtag uh, stand up for stunts and that'll lead you to there's a petition out there and uh, people that, have, you know, we've been trying to get through the Academy. So the yeah. the more people that can raise their voices, that would be helpful. But, you know, I don't really understand it myself. I, I have heard some things about there's an old school mentality that dates way back to earlier filmmaking when, uh, you know, the, the stars were getting the credit and that mm-hmm. the stunt department was more behind the scenes but you know that was a long time ago things have really changed since then so yeah,
2: i is. don't
0: uh, i don't know what the disconnect is i wish sense. i knew
2: you, you guys you heard it the hashtag is stand up for stunts yeah. and we all we all got to get behind them and uh, we all got to make it happen because there's simply no justification so i have an interesting question okay you're an incredible stunt performer in peak Athletic shape. How do you stay in shape? And what's your what's the regimen for a stunt person? Yeah, I need to know the answer to this
0: so do I <laughs> 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 Graf. She's she's the one <laughs> um, No, there there are there are incredible athletes out there in that field. I personally have uh, had one foot out the door for the last few years. Although, you know, my whole life I've been very physical from being a dancer. And then when I started in stunts, I started training more in martial arts, gymnastics, a lot of trampoline work because that teaches you good like air awareness where your body is in the air. Uh, But now I'm, I'm shifting my ways. Mm -hmm. So I yoga, I hike, I like to mix it up. You know, I really like to just do, I don't know, just generally be physical. Like I'm just the person will take the stairs instead of the elevator or, um, you know, when I'm walking my dog, I'll find myself like, you know, doing like glute squeezes or something. I don't know. I'm very, I, if my body is not strong, I don't, feel well. Like I feel like for me especially from many years being so physical, I have a lot of injuries that'll want to creep up on me if I don't stay strong and balanced. Right. Um so when I feel my body start to tweak, I know I need to, you know, get get back and take it a little more seriously. So it's a number of uh, I love Pilates. I do a lot of those kind of exercises, some bar classes. Mm. Yeah, just depends. And how is
1: the coronavirus crisis affecting your daily routine or your weekly routine? You know, your exercise and stuff. Because we are in, currently still in lockdown in in the UK. I think we're allowed out for an hour or something. So I just do a little five k, little run every day. I don't know what what are you up to, Lupe.
2: Oh me, um, I do. <laughs> I, I I do about. A thousand push-ups a day. Go, Lupe, go. <laughs> I, like, um, yeah, I I love working out. For me, it's very therapeutic. It helps me with my, my mental states. Also, I grew up playing uh, basketball like ever since sixth grade. Um, I actually played in college and I played a little bit of football. So I, I'm also at that stage where like Danielle, when you talked about old injuries creeping up on you, when you when you start feeling your knee. Tighten a little yeah. bit or your lower back start to creak and then you know, okay Like, you know, I got to whether do some yoga or start running a little bit more or do you know Some squats or some knee stabilization exercises. So I'm always trying to trying to keep fit I have a gym membership, but since gym gyms are closed uh, now So as yeah. I said, I do like a thousand uh, push-ups a day and then i alternate with about 500 uh, curls and triceps extensions so i just i just try to just keep moving and uh, get my heart wait I, wait, I wait.
0: you're you're serious with the thousand push-up thing
2: <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean not a thousand in a row so i oh will do like 50, take a take a 60 second break 60 take a 60 second break 40 50 until i get to a thousand
1: yeah, Lupe is in ridiculous shape.
0: Wow! <laughs> no, shit. I so do, what's your I, routine? I do some online classes. I have some online yoga classes that I've been doing. And then um, I have a friend who has a Instagram called Soulful Sweat. She's a friend of mine, and she's always putting up these awesome exercises. So sometimes I go on there and I exercise along with her. Um, yeah, different days. I also am a, a dancer. I love... I love dance, so um, that's probably the one thing I miss the most is being able to get on the dance floor. But I've done a couple of at-home online dance classes. Not quite the same as having all those, you know, inspiring bodies in the room with you and really being able to mm-hmm. make well, use energy. of a big space. Um, yeah. But you know, I make do. I make do. Yeah. So a little, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Um, but just to go back to what you were saying, Lupe. Yeah, when you feel the tweak. And I'm the same way like I feel the tweak and then I go I got to get stronger I think a lot of people do it the other way around right they feel a tweak in their body and then they go Oh, I don't want to work out because I don't mm-hmm. want to I don't want to hurt myself and for me It's it's the flip side of that
2: same same. Yeah. thing. Exactly yeah, I saw a video on your Twitter of you dancing with your dog people You got to know Danielle's got the moves, okay? <laughs> So let's let let's let that be known, okay? Michael,
0: Michael Jackson can make anybody move hey, their feet.
2: True, that, that's the magic of Michael.
0: Yeah, I was celebrating, I just adopted a beautiful German Shepherd. I think she was um, it's ta- saying hi a little earlier in the interview uh yeah that's that's one of the silver linings that came out of my quarantine was that i ended up with a beautiful shepherd puppy
2: Oh, she's she's beautiful i love dogs i'm a dog person so i approve
1: yeah we've we've got our little jack he's uh 10 years old now so not much dancing (laughs) he's cute he's cute
2: so danielle in case you didn't know i am one of the biggest fans of the matrix trilogy ever like that was my awakening to what great movies are or all that movies can be i've always loved you know films and watching tv and series since i was a kid but the matrix just changed everything for me so um in case our audience doesn't know you were a stunt double for trinity
0: (laughs) yes
2: oh my god uh, the Matrix sequels. Um, so I'll, I'll just start off by asking you, how did you get that gig? Um, also, uh, what was the feeling like? Just give us an origin story of your your time working on, on The Matrix.
0: Honestly, I mean, that was one of the greatest moments of my life. So when the first Matrix came out, I was not yet involved at all in stunts. And I remember sitting in the theater and watching Trinity on the screen and thinking yes yeah, that right. is what i want to do wow. like i was so inspired by carrie ann and her character the whole thing i was just in, so inspired and i thought yeah right that's what i want to do i'm you know i'm physical i could do physical things and an actress but like these badass female characters it 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 really um made such a huge impression on me Having no idea, you know, that a couple of years later I would actually start doing stunts, and I was working on another movie with Chad Stahelski at the time, who said, "Hey, we're uh, going to be holding auditions for the Matrix sequels for the Trinity stunt double, and I think you should come and audition." Um, and I just I was over the moon just by the the thought of that just to have that opportunity because I was very young in the business and um, I knew that I would be up against some you know veteran stunt girls Mm -hmm. and I think it was you know having uh, my dance background was definitely an asset because of the way that they work with wires and all of that I kind of took to wire work pretty naturally Um, and basically there was an audition and like a big airport hangar and we all went in there and I don't know, God was smiling on me that day. I ended up getting the job and I could not believe it. When I got the phone call telling me that I got that job, I, I'm i sure <laughs> I screamed, I, I probably threw some cartwheels. And yeah, And it ended up being just an incredible experience. Again, I was at the early stage of my career. So to be working at that level with the Wachowskis and with that cast and coming off of the first one that was just you know.
1: yeah, Juggernaut.
0: It just yeah. changed everything changed. for action it filmmaking. Um, it was very very special and I was sort of wide-eyed and taking it all in. And at the end of the day, Carrie-Anne really did so much of it. Uh, the Wachowskis were very adamant about having the actors do as much as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of my job was training with her, training with the team, and setting things up and allowing her to do as much as she could and then of course there were places where I stepped in where it was it got a little bit hairy and you know when you get thrown through the wall and things like that and drop to your back from the ground or Mm -hmm. any of those kinds of things Um, and then I also had the great privilege of working with Debbie Evans and getting to watch her because she did all of the car and motorcycle work and she is one of the most talented phenomenal stunt women and absolutely loving human beings that i've ever met so yeah it was pretty freaking great <laughs> i can imagine i
1: was and, gonna ask there's a shot of um trinity on a ducati
0: yeah that's debbie or um if it's if it's not Ann, it's debbie and and Ann was on quite a lot of those shots but when it when it came to the real stunt work there that's all debbie evans Sweet, sweet. I did this sequence where she's on the bridge and jumps over the bridge onto the motorcycle carrier, yeah. and then Ooh. gets on the bike.
2: Ooh. Really? Oh my god! <laughs> that's part,
0: that part—that was the only little part for me in that particular sequence. And the rest—that's well, of that's
2: that's the part one. <laughs> that's iconic. And your 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 whole yeah. dance thing came into play, obviously, with your hands and yeah. looked, you know, really graceful and and badass and kicking ass that's that's incredible because you know in the Matrix trilogy I mean the, the first Matrix had a lot of action but the second one they turned the volume up to like 13 so that 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 was that was a really like intense huge huge uh, huge production and I'm excited to be to be talking to you about it. so how was how was the experience just you know being on set with those people um, That. That level of craftsmanship, I mean, that's like at the top of, of the food chain, basically. What was that like for you?
0: Yeah, I was like, I was just wide-eyed and pinching myself through most of the, you know, most of the process and and trying to just soak in as much knowledge as I could and learn from these incredible people. And it was just great. You know, it was my first time on a, you know, on a pretty good run. Um, we got to go to Sydney, Australia, which was really amazing and being on location and just being part of something that iconic and, and such a large scale, you know, at that time, I think it was one of the biggest budgets ever that they did the two movies combined. And I think the budget was somewhere around like $400 million for the two of them combined. So, um, yeah, I, I, part of me was like, what am I doing here? (laughs) I'm so glad I'm here. Nice. Uh, so I just learned a lot. It was a really fantastic learning experience. And um, and I just absolutely loved and adored everybody that worked on that. The whole cast was great. And I really loved the Wachowskis. I loved working with them. They had such a strong vision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had not, you know, I, I had worked on a few things prior to that. And um, enough to know that that kind of director is very rare, mm. that is so specific about their v- vision and communicates it very mm-hmm. clearly. They knew exactly what they wanted and they communicated mm-hmm. it very clearly. And as a performer, whether it be stunts or acting, that is what I want. um mm-hmm. you know, I when I'm working with directors that are telling you to go again, because they're not getting what they want. They don't know why they're not getting what they want. And they're not communicating exactly what it is they're looking for and you're trying to just guess, you know. Mm. Um that's I love that about the Wachowskis and um and that's also something that zack snyder has in the bag as well one of my favorite things about him
2: so yeah we'll we'll talk more about him i have a a a follow-up question so they are shooting a new matrix film and i think warner's is also working on another sort of offshoot in that universe what's oh, your are we, gonna,
1: are we gonna get an exclusive
2: no exclusive i'm not involved what do you think about it What's? are you excited do you think they should have just left it with the trilogy and let it be immortalized like it was or do you think that they should they should expand and explore the universe a la Star Wars and those kind of franchises
0: oh gosh I don't know it's a slippery slope right it could turn (laughs) out to be brilliant Um, of course I want more of it Um, I'm a fan of the matrix as well so there's a part of me that just wants more you know I want to see those characters again I I don't want to sacrifice any of my love for them. So I I have no idea. I mean, I have to have faith in the filmmakers that they're going to do something great. Um, I don't know. I don't know anything about the new script, uh, or even really who's involved because like I said, I'm not, I'm not as much in the stunt world these days. So that's, it's just not something that I have ties to. Mm -hmm. I'm with the, I'm with everyone else out there anticipating what's coming and I'll be excited to I mean I'm going to be there I'm going to be sitting there watching it
2: Chris what do you think I haven't heard your um
1: my opinion is pretty much like other big IPs um it depends where it's coming from if it's coming from a place of love and there's a a clear vision and it's not just a money grab then you know if there's a story to tell I want to hear it If it's more along the lines of we've got this IP and we need to make some money and we know people will come and see it that instinctively turns me away from it. I don't get the feeling that the Wachowskis are that kind of people.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So hopefully it's good. But again, you, you can never tell with these things.
0: And I believe there's only Lana that's involved in this one, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. mm-hmm. but I'm not yeah. sure, right? So yeah. I'm not I don't know what's happening. Yeah. yeah. I'm I, interested. I mean, for,
2: for me, I've always um I mean the, the Wachowskis, they always created the Matrix as an expansive universe, as a world with a lot of backstories and there's side characters, and there's there's so much going on in that universe. And I feel like if Star Wars can have nine movies and 1,100 video games and 5 million books, then why not The Matrix? It's my favorite franchise. Uh, I think it has a lot of relevance, even more so today, with how tapped in we are and how dependent we are on technology and virtual worlds and all that kind of stuff. So, I feel that it should be explored. More stories should be told. Now, the movie may come out, it might not be great, but I think that they should keep trying the more stories we get the better no matter what happens it's not gonna ruin the matrix trilogy for me that's always gonna be there no matter what I don't care if you make like the worst movies ever or whatever (laughs) that's always gonna be there Um, so that's that's my take on it Um,
1: Daniel you mentioned that you're not so much in the stunt area now I suppose that's because you're concentrating more on acting and filmmaking yourself so why don't we transition into your acting career backlash was the first time you were the lead in a feature-length film did you feel any pressure with this added responsibility
0: i do think there is a higher level of responsibility when you're the lead character yeah that that's definitely falling on your shoulders and and in that particular project I I didn't think that I brought my best forward at all and so it's tough you know I think it's easier if I'm a smaller character maybe I didn't feel like I did a great job it's a
1: a learning experience isn't it because it was the first time it wasn't like this your 20th film as a lead I mean we all begin somewhere and and I've seen the film and I quite enjoyed it I had no problem with the film because it's as I expected it to be, it's more made for television, it's lighthearted, it's a classic um, late 90s, early 2000s action flick made for TV. I had a lot of fun with it and I thought you were really good. Thank you,
0: thank you. I think uh, expectations is the big word, right? Because I came on to that particular project after a great meeting I had with the director. And we were really on the same page about some things. And for me, that particular experience ended up being a bit disappointing. Like, you know, we we were met with certain challenges filming because we were very low budget. We were shooting mm-hmm. off in uh, Trinidad, which was um, a yeah. d- difficult set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I was putting my faith in the director. And um, he was meant to edit the film and sort of have creative control over the way that it played out in the end and that did not happen towards the end when they got into post um, Mm -hmm. it didn't work out for the director to see the film through and for him to get his final edit as he he and i both hoped huge learning experience for me also i know that there are particular takes in that where they did not use what i would consider to be the best takes and so, I think when we were filming, I feel like I would like we would do a take or two at almost like a warm up because sometimes we would show up to shoot one scene. We wouldn't have the permit in place, so we'd have to shoot a different scene. and it's almost like you're finding your footing as you go, kind of warming up to getting into it and, you know, then finally delivering the good performance. And then in the final edit, that's not the performance that they use. So huge learning experience for me to really be so prepared and so focused and bring it on every take because you don't know what they're gonna use. And in the end, I personally was disappointed on a lot of levels for myself. All part mm-hmm. of the
1: experience. And yeah. you mentioned that, it
0: was in Trinidad? That yeah. We- it. So
2: Lupe, I think you wanted to ask. a. I have a serious question. So what's your perfect fancy of a getaway holiday? Like what's the perfect getaway holiday for Danielle Bergio?
0: That is very serious. Let's <laughs> take that very seriously. Um, my my perfect holiday is uh, a little bit of adventure and and a little bit of relaxation. Probably more adventure than relaxation. The best trip <laughs> I ever took in my life was a couple of years ago when I went to Africa, and uh, and I did some safari, but also I trekked with gorillas. Wow! And that was phenomenal and there were you know a few days that were like relaxed where you would just mm. kind of like chill and unwind mm-hmm. but for me it's more about experiencing different culture mm-hmm. and in that particular instance it was it was perfect for me because I have such a love and connection with animals so to be around animals at that level uh, all day every day was pretty much the money for me
1: well, <laughs> you, you mentioned adventure and relaxation it sounds like you're describing the plot of Backlash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. That was pretty much it.
0: Pretty much it. Perfect holiday. <laughs> yeah. um, Although it's not that kind of action that I want yeah. <laughs> Like, I think, um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, she's so physical and a stunt woman. So she probably wants to go and like, you know, do some black diamond runs down the <laughs> slope. And I'm the opposite. I'm like, no, uh, you know, I had all that physical action and taking risks and doing all that at work for so long, I'm actually happy with a hot toddy in front of the fire. Uh (laughs) But I do like experiencing culture and I do like the, uh, I like travel. Like I I love going to different um, countries and vistas and exploring. So whatever that means, whether it's just out for a drive, like last year I was in um, Tasmania and I had the best time just being in the car listening to this great radio station that I found and just cruising along these giant sweeping cliffs and just, I just, huge smile on my face, absolute heaven.
1: Does that inspire the story behind Girl Trip? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Girl Trip's funny. So the first film, the first short film that I did was Lucy Falls. Love- and that, a drama about um, a woman in a domestic abuse situation. So after I did Lucy, I thought, okay, right, I I want to do it again. I want to take what I learned and I want to make another movie. And I thought, what is the last thing anybody would expect from me? Because everybody's expecting action. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Lucy Falls had a little bit of action in it, but it was more of a drama. So I was like, right, comedy, that's the last thing anybody expects from me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I took that on as a challenge. And then I thought, okay, well, what the hell am I gonna write about? And then they say, well, write what you know. Um, And I thought, well, what is funny to me? What is funny in my life? And I actually have my two best girlfriends who uh, we would oftentimes go out to the desert. In fact, my one bestie, her name is Heath. She used to live out there in Joshua Tree. And so I thought, great, well, we can just shoot out there because she's living out there and let's kind of base it around us. So those characters are based on my two best friends and myself, but obviously exaggerated versions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And we kind of like I just came up with this really wacky story, but a lot of it, you know. It, a lot of it was based in truth
2: <laughs> well, I like let l- let me just interject and say I absolutely love girl trip like Thank you. I can't I need to give it a better like glowing review than it's it's hilarious um you really brought a very unique voice to it it feels fresh it feels it has a very retro feel to it but it feels very now at the same time does that make sense
0: Thank you, I'm so so flattered.
2: No, I thought some of the, the shooting techniques that you use and some of the editing felt quite 90s, but like, you know, updated at the same time. And then obviously you have this, you know, short film that's about girls and they're just like free and doing their own thing and it's amazing. And it's funny. It's Thank actually like, you. it's hilarious. Yeah. Like, Thank you.
0: Well, I have to give a shout out to Jameson Tab. So Jam- Jameson, I met just before I did Lucy Falls and he's an uh, editor. He's a, a man of many talents. Editing is just one thing he does well. And he joined me in post on Lucy Falls. And then when I was doing Girl Trip, I said, look, I'm only going to do this if you know if you'll come on board with me and he said what how would you feel if we co-directed it together and i was like brilliant because with lucy falls i had actually not intended on directing it i wrote it and was going to produce it uh i wanted to play the role but a friend of mine was going to direct it and at the in the final hour she said i'm not going to direct this you are and i was like what are you talking about why are you doing this to me and I was mad and I was crying and she was like one day you're gonna thank me for this and she's right she said you need to direct this this is your vision your story mm-hmm. your everything so I ended up doing it but taking that on was way too much like it was just wearing way 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 too many hats like obviously Clint Eastwood can do it because you know <laughs> he's got experience and he's got money and a team behind him I'm doing this on no money no experience um, I just went kamikaze like balls to the wall let's do it so when we cut to Girl Trip and then Jameson said, what would you think about me co-directing this? I thought, yes, 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 mm-hmm. I need a partner in this. So, um, and he's brilliant. He's a wonderful editor. He's great with like, you know, he can do visual effects things and all things post sound. He came from the sound world. So he brought all of that and we did that together. And, and that was a great lesson too in learning uh, to collaborate. Mm-hmm. And it was a totally different experience, and I think like both films feel so different. Mm-hmm. And yes, <laughs> they're so different, and that was really the exercise for me. I took it on as an exercise, you know, li- literally. Like I didn't know if anybody would ever watch it. It's just like, hey, I,
2: I definitely, definitely recommend it. Um, I-, I think the your the the stars in it did an amazing job. Like Christine Adams, I recognize her like immediately. I was like, wait, I've seen her like on stuff before she's brilliant
0: she's on um, the cw's black lightning right now she plays oh the
2: yeah she's-, she's been on a bunch of, of tv stuff she's like a veteran oh, yeah. actress and like i recognize her character because like my my extended family who are like in the uk they're into like their crystals and their strains of weed and their herbs and they're vegan and you know so it was it it was interesting to see these archetypes because I mean you were like the athletic type and then you had a friend who was like more into her shell and I just think you you did such a good job. Are you going to direct a feature length film based on the characters from Girl Trip? I want to know.
0: Oh uh, well, somebody Come already on. did that. No, <laughs> they stole our movie. No, they they didn't. Girl, girl, tri- girls trip. Uh, the the hit the, feature film was not really so much like Girl Trip, our short film. But um, I honestly have not considered that. But, you know, maybe why? I will.
2: Maybe why? I will. <laughs> <laughs> why have, I'm telling, like, you have, like, for people who haven't seen this, like, I recommend people a lot of things. And um, definitely, I'm putting my name behind this. Like, you got to see it. If you don't like it, don't listen to anything I say ever again. That's how <laughs> I feel about it.
1: Really, 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 really good. Really Just good. W- wow. wear headphones on if you are sensitive to certain words.
0: <laughs> hey, wear headphones. Anyway, so one of the things I love about, I'm very proud of with both of my films is the sound design, uh, which I did not do personally, but I'm very proud of my sound team. And if you don't watch it with, you know, in in stereo or with headphones on, you actually miss
2: a lot that's what I was talking about when I was talking about like the editing and and the style and like people have to see it like the 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 part where you guys are fixing to climb up the rock and then <laughs> there's all those quick quick cuts and yeah. the sound of the zippers and the straps and brilliant brilliant mm-hmm. I love really crafty stuff like that that's woven in with a good story with good characters like all that comes together to make a great film you know and you didn't lack off on anything everything just comes together to make like a brilliant film and the, there's a twist at the end i was like how oh my i saw that coming but then i didn't see it coming and then, yeah, <laughs> it was it's brilliant it's brilliant. Ah, uh, thank you. Well, I would,
0: gosh, you just made my day. I'm I am absolutely tickled. I'm so no, glad you liked I, it. I, I
2: absolutely love
0: the film. A blast making it. And if you can believe it, we shot that in three days. What? <laughs> I That's... know. It was insane. There was the third day we had something like 67 setups. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was wow. it was hard. It was, I think, you know, Jameson and I slept about two hours a night <laughs> through that whole thing. And um yeah, it was just crazy. It was fun. It was really fun. We had a
1: good time. Well, well I want to see more definitely. And yeah. I, I don't mind if it's a an extended version or a sequel. I just want to see mm-hmm. more of these characters. Um, Absolutely. All three were brilliant and I, I'd love to see more of them. Um, okay, now,
0: I will take that. I will take that in. <laughs> now,
1: one of the most important questions with regard to, to this film is uh, what does a testicle taste like? <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 oh, <my. laughs> Sadly, I'm not
0: going to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> the people listening are going to go, What are they talking about? <laughs> you have to,
2: to get the inside joke. But I have uh, another fun question. A fun question. So, do you prefer a uh, quiet, relaxing night in? Or a crazy night out.
0: Honestly, I need one of each.
2: Mm, okay. I
0: I like balance. So um yeah, I love the crazy night out. I am mm-hmm. I'm, I'm super social and I love like, you know, big parties and I just I like social activities and I like I like the energy of being around a lot of people, whether it's a concert or going out dancing. Like, I love that. But I can only do that if I can then have a night to just chill and relax. Because at the <laughs> end of the day, believe it or not, I'm, I'm more of an introvert. Like, I'm one of those people that need to get quiet to recharge. And that's I'll get drained great. very easily. So that's yeah, nice. both. I can't choose.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm the same way. It's interesting. Like, I found out recently that I am an introvert. Like, I'm very social. I get along with people just fine. Uh, I work at, at, at a front facing job. I'm always talking to people. Um, but I I enjoy my, my quiet time. I need to recharge. I need to unwind. So I, I'm i vibing with you on that. The extroverted introvert kind of thing. It's weird, but yeah.
0: To think. Somebody yeah. told me once that I'm an in, in um I'm an introvert who loves people. And I went Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. That's like a that. that's that's a good way to describe it. Absolutely. So we've talked about
1: Girl Trip. Tell me a little bit about Lucy Falls because that's actually the the film that I I first noticed you shared on Vero and I watched it and I really, really enjoyed it and that's why um we kind of began our little communication what was the inspiration behind this film um because it's it's it deals with some really serious subject matter yeah it's about a domestic abuse victim who has lost the child and we kind of see a day in the life of lucy Um, yeah what was the inspiration for this film and why did this story feel so important to you to tell
0: you know it's It's so interesting for me with writing writing is something I'm always drawn to yet I'm terrified of it and like I have all these blocks and I always feel like I can't write and I think just I was open to the fact that I wanted to write something and I wanted to produce something and I just I didn't know exactly what it was I just knew I wanted to do it and then it's almost like a bolt of lightning comes out of nowhere Where I feel like it's not me it's not even coming from me. All of a sudden, this one little pop of inspiration, and then I latch onto it, and then this whole story just un- unfolds inside of me. And that's how it happened with Lucy. I was first drawn to the idea of a character who is perceived as weak, but mm-hmm. yet she's not, you know, and there is this stereotype of especially women. And there Uh are also men in in an abusive relationships, but women in abusive relationships and people, I think, think that they are victims and that they are, it's because they're weak, right? Or they just made that, you know, whatever. They kind of had it coming in a way. And so I wanted to tell the story of this woman who, you know, she just made a bad decision early on. And I think most people in their lives can see how one one bad decision can sometimes lead you to a, a pretty suffering situation that you become trapped in and it's not because she's weak she's actually very strong Um, she just found herself here so that was kind of the like just general loose inspiration and then it kind of just took on a life of its own once I just opened up to the idea of that, it just started kind of flowing and again it feels like it comes from outside of myself that's when I know I'm in the zone (laughs) yeah
1: and obviously if anyone's listening to the to this podcast and has had an experience or has had these difficult kind of experiences in their life, reach out to the authorities, there's people, there's phone lines that you can reach out to and to get help for these serious things as well. Um, It's
0: another reason that I wanted to tell this story is because I do realize that there is so little awareness around this subject. This is something that affects. Like 50% of the population is either physically affected by it or knows somebody. Mm. And it's rampant. The statistics, you can look them up. I'm not going to misquote statistics, but they're astounding when you realize how big of a problem this is. And nobody's really talking about it. I find it interesting during the pandemic. You haven't heard a lot of talk about it because I know for a fact that you know people that are in these difficult abusive situations especially during like this now in the pandemic how bad yeah. that is for yeah. the spouses for the children you know there's a lot of people out there that don't know how to manage their anger they do need help and so a for the people who are involved to be brave enough to reach out for help but also even more importantly maybe the people around them people that are friends family neighbors whatever that are seeing the signs and not be afraid to reach out, ask, you know, see how you can be of service and help um, because it is a, a huge, huge problem in the world. I know in, the, in our country, in the US it is. So any, you know, any awareness that we can bring to it, I think is good.
1: 100% and thank you for that. Um, you, you touched upon the inspiration coming from outside of your body, like an out of body experience, let's say. Um, creatively, what do you need to draw upon as a writer that's different from like the other areas of the business, like acting and, and, and stunts and, and things like that.
0: Yeah, I don't even know, man. I'm telling you, writing is just like so hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I will find that I have to do, I have to clean up everything around me. Like I have to organize every drawer and every closet. I have to pay every bill. I have to do everything <laughs> before I can get into a mental space to start to write. Um, and that's not always... Uh, you know, that doesn't Not always, always easy. <laughs> work so well in, in my life because there's always more things piling up on the plate. So recently I've taken on a partner and that's great because mm-hmm. it it demands accountability. And luckily for me, my partner is so brilliant and he's great at like throwing the color on the page and getting us started. Once the color's on the page, it's easier for me to start moving things around and shifting mm-hmm. or um, and then having somebody to bounce ideas off of Um, When it's just me in my head, it's a little bit difficult.
2: Mm.
0: And this particular partner of mine, Andy, uh, is teaching me so much. He's written so many scripts. so I'm learning a lot from him. He's inspiring me. He's um, encouraging me. And uh, I've been getting stronger at it as time goes on. But I still feel, you know, I still feel a little insecure sometimes, Uh, although I'm super proud of everything he and I have been working on but oh, just awesome. be solo. I kept thinking like, Oh, during quarantine, maybe I'm going to write something on my own and uh, maybe like what <laughs> day 50 something. And then it's still haven't happened. So, I
2: don't know. We'll, Stop. we'll get there. We'll get there. So, uh, I have to, you know, it's my job to keep us on track with the serious questions. So <laughs> next serious question is Batman or Superman. Are you a Batman girl or Superman kind of girl?
0: Oh man! You keep asking me. These, you keep asking me to choose things I don't want. There's a to definite
2: choose. right
1: answer. There's a definite right answer. I've
0: got your answer, Wonder Woman. How's that? Oh, <laughs>
2: Nikki, I love Nikki, it. Sneaky.
1: Nice. nice.
2: Okay, I see you, Danielle. That's a good one. I like okay. it. I like it. We have
1: these fights all the time. I, I, I'm a Batman guy. You know? I'm a
2: Superman. I'm a Superman guy. Like the best, obviously, to Alpha of all superheroes. The one that started he loves the PPS though, so there's that <laughs> 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 but um we've we've talked about how interesting it is that you created uh, you you made a film in a dramatic film, quite a serious uh film, and then you flipped the script and you made a comedy. What is uh, a genre that you haven't yet tackled whether it is as an actress as a stunt performer as a filmmaker that you would like to uh dabble into
0: well um i think one of the reasons i did the comedy was because i don't normally get um, hired or cast to work in comedies, and I really do love that. Like, there it's so much fun to work on set when you're filming a comedy, and like the crew and everybody is just laughing all the time, having a great time. <laughs> so, um, so that's part of the reason that I did Girl Trip because that was one genre that I did not work a lot in. Um, obviously, I've worked a lot in action, mm-hmm. and that's why I specifically did not produce an action short, mm-hmm. um, although. Now my trajectory is, uh, I as I said, I'm writing and producing, and they are all action based. Action. <laughs> so they're a little bit of everything. Like one is horror, one is more just straight up like drama action. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something that has that's more comedy. There, it's it's pretty broad. Um, I'm not particular to genres. I'm just particular to good storytelling. So right. that's really all I care about. Is I I want to be involved in stories that. To speak to me, inspire me, or just resonate with me, either characters that resonate or stories that resonate. And ultimately, you know once I hopefully get a couple of things off the ground and prove myself as a filmmaker and I really have the control to tell the kind of stories I want, then I, then I really do want to tell stories that will impact people in a way that it makes them think maybe to be a better person in the world or to bring awareness to certain subjects. Uh, But for right now, for phase one, it's definitely uh, just entertainment, general entertainment, good storytelling.
1: So what does entertain you? What are your favorite movies just off the top of your head?
0: Uh, Well, this year, my favorite movie was uh, Jojo Rabbit. I love Jojo Rabbit. It's wacky and Mm. I love stories that are for some reason I love stories that are told through like a child's eyes. Like, Mm -hmm. a love Beast of the Southern Wild was that way for me. Also, Sling Blade is another one of my favorite movies. I tend to be drawn to stories that are uh, these two sort of misfit characters coming together. Mm. Um, One of my favorite movies of all time is True Romance, right? These two misfit characters that come together and end up being like Bonnie and Clyde. It's so (laughs) beautiful.
1: And the score of that film by Hans Zimmer is incredible.
0: Good. It's good stuff. Brilliant film. Yeah, so I don't normally lean towards horror. That is not normally my Mm -hmm. my cup of tea. But again, a good you know a good horror film. It's just a a good movie, a good story. I'm I'm in. I'll watch it. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay. I I have I have another question, a a serious question. So you have a podcast, and the podcast is called Women Kick Ass. (laughs) Yeah. If you could interview one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball. And (laughs) why?
0: I mean, she was one of the most inspiring women to me. And talk about a woman who kicked ass because she, you know, had this on-screen persona as being one thing. But yet, behind the camera, she was so fierce. She was a fierce filmmaker and producer and had such clarity about the content that she was bringing forward, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I was I was a huge over fan a, of hers
2: growing up. And over think,
1: 120 acting credits. I now, now, that's a working Iconic. woman.
2: Yeah. Yeah, before we go on, would you please tell us a bit more about the podcast? How did you get into that? Would you tell our audience what the vision for the podcast is and uh, give us a bit of uh, info on it?
0: Yeah, so I got involved with Artemis Motion Picture um, Film Festival. And they're they're a brilliant group of people that honor and recognize strong women in film. And they have an annual film festival. And I met them and said, hey, I want to help you guys in any way I can. Like what they're doing is amazing. And, you know, what, what can I do to be of service? And the, the, the head of the organization, Melanie, she said, Well, would you do a podcast for us? And I was like, uh, Okay, sure. And that's how it started. And I thought, Well, I have access, obviously, to a lot of stunt women. So we kind of started with that. And there seemed to be an interest in hearing. know, people like hearing about stunts but then I really wanted to open it up like there's just so many kick-ass women that are in the film industry so the the general concept is that I'm just talking to some of the most badass ladies in Hollywood and what they do and so I've had some producers, some directors, second unit directors, stunt coordinators, Mm -hmm. actresses, stunt women, And just, it's really meant to be an inspiring platform to educate people as to what the different departments are, like, whether it be people that want to get into the industry or people that are just sort of fascinated by movies and movie making. And, you know, we've had some really great guests, like I mentioned, Jesse Graff earlier, she was one of our guests. She's one of the American Ninja Warriors, and she has worked, you know, on the Wonder Woman's and things like that. She's Mm -hmm. done quite a... A lot of big movies Heidi Moneymaker who is the Black Widow double for Scarlett Johansson for all all right. movies um, you know we had Christine Adams came on and talked about her role in Black Lightning and mm. we've had some great yeah so that's what it is and it's really fun I only do it once a month but it's just a very impromptu dialogue between me and some cool girls
1: yeah who is your yep. favorite guest so far
0: uh, that's- <laughs>
1: which which podcast did you do that you you had the most fun on let's see
0: you know I'll tell you just the first name that popped into my mind because they're all just amazing ladies but I got to interview a woman named Jeannie Epper and Jeannie is a stunt woman who started oh gosh so many years ago she was she was the Wonder Woman the television Wonder Woman Mm. Stunt uh, Linda Carter's double, yeah, yeah, and and to speak with her, you know, what she did back then when women were not a big part at all of stunts, mm-hmm. and for her to step into those kind of icon- iconic shoes such a long time ago and sort of shape the way that strong women are portrayed on screen mm-hmm. was a treat. And she's worked—I she, mean, got that woman has got to have two, three hundred credits of like, you know, huge. Sure huge movie title after huge movie title. And she's, you know, she she talks a little bit about uh, working with Jack Nicholson and she's in the convertible car on the beach and gets to like throw a slide and toss him into the water. So all these amazing stories and how she got to kiss Paul Newman. And you know, that was pretty great. That was that was a pretty good one for me.
2: It's, wow. a, it's an amazing podcast and um, I, I I'd really recommend people to check it out. One thing that I personally gained from listening to to episodes is uh, how diverse the backgrounds people come from to get into the film industry. I think a lot of us have this idea that there is just like this one way to get into it, but it's like pretty cool when you hear about... Um, people who come from, like, different, take different routes, basically, to get to the same place. So, I I think that, um, I think people, there's definitely something for everyone in it. Thank
0: you. And I think what I've learned from doing it is there is a through line with all of the interviews, and that is what attributes to their success. And yeah. what I've found that has been pretty consistent throughout is you know the belief in self and the having the courage to speak up for yourself and stand strong in your own talent yeah. and knowing what you're capable of, like that that level of confidence that you have to bring, even if you're faking it until you make it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we do talk about, obviously, it's it's a vigorous climb to the top in any of the professions but it, it does seem pretty consistent throughout. It's interesting to hear what people will say about what qualities they felt like got them there. And that really, that confidence and that strength is a huge part of it.
2: So before we move on, I have a serious question again. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather be able to change the past or see to the future? <sighs> oh. Wow, <laughs> mm,
0: that's a tricky one. Um, oh gosh, I was gonna say see into the future, but I don't, I don't know. I feel like that kind of takes the fun out of living. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. that I'd want to see into the future. That, yeah.
1: If she go, if she can see into the future, would she then be able to change her path, or is she set on a fixed, des- uh, pre- predetermined destination? she will be,
2: be able. To, that's a, that's a good question. I. Send the rules. I'm not. I'm not a an expert in quantum physics. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know the past. Uh, obviously, if I could go back now, there are things that I would change. But then I say, well, if I change them, I, would I be the person I am today? Probably not.
2: Exactly. The paradox. Uh, it's a paradox. No, no, no,
0: no. tricky, tricky. You and your tricky <laughs> questions.
1: <laughs> so speaking of the future. What do you have on the horizon coming up that people might be interested in?
0: Well, I am very excited for Army of the Dead to come out.
1: Yeah, what's, what's that about? I've not heard about that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just a little. It's just a little. Just another little zombie movie. Um, yeah, I mean, it, honestly, getting to work with Zack Snyder has been a dream of mine for many many years so I got to shoot last summer and I'm extremely excited about it um obviously I'm just excited to see it you know mm-hmm. and then I I made so many amazing friends along the way that I'm just excited to see it all come together and what will ex- you no know, I am not allowed to say <laughs>
1: all right, you, you can tell us what we you're just, just-
0: At the interview, right
1: here. What about your general experiences then? Without going into any spoiler territory or breaking any NDAs, like, what was your general non-film experience like working on the set?
0: Just pure joy. I mean, like the group of people were spectacular. Um, You know, all of the actors are lovely. I'm, I'm, I was so happy to get to know them. But you know, really. At uh, the filmmakers and working with Zach and getting that kind of experience because working with him was really not like any other experience I've ever had on set. In what um, he's just so hands-on uh, which is great and he communicates his vision so clearly again like he knows exactly what he's looking for and he communicates that and with such a sense of you know, excitement again, like you just want to kind of get wrapped up in, in the excitement. Yeah. And that energy really comes through. So I always say that the energy of a film all trickles down from the director.
1: How does he compare to other directors that you've worked with in the past? Like in terms of his yeah, you know, his modus operandi, how hands on he is or um, what he's like with actors or with stunts. Um, uh, with stunts yeah, people.
0: he's way more hands-on than I have ever experienced. Like, you know, he'll get in there and, like, kind of show you. I want you, you know, he'll, like, act it out, like, especially with the stunt stuff. Like, he's he's great. He's physical. He'll get in there and show you, like, this and that and like this. <laughs> so, yeah, and then you're all, like, pumped up. Yeah, okay, I want to do it. Uh, <laughs> And you're seeing exactly what he's seeing in his mind. So you're like, right, I got it. And then if he needs to make any adjustments, you know, he'll come in and say, okay, he'll just give you a, you know, whether it's an emotional adjustment or a physical adjustment. Mm -hmm. There's just an energy to him that is just infectious to be around him because it's just good. It just feels like good energy. And like the people that he works with or people that he's, you know, come up with over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Um they're all a team and so it 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 feels like family. Mm-hmm. More than any other set I have ever worked on, it just feels like family because these filmmakers have all really worked together for a long time together and even other people maybe that are coming in a little newer, they just kind of fit right into that that energy. Mm-hmm. Um it's just very so positive and there's just this kind of happy feeling even when things get stressful which they do sometimes on set uh there's no major blow-ups you know you you Mm -hmm. deal with it they they put out the fires or they got to put out the fires and then Mm -hmm. they roll with it. and the end of the day it's you know it's all hugs back then when we were allowed to hug (laughs) i don't know if we're allowed to hug anymore
1: (laughs) what kinds of things did you pick up from him that you'd implement in your own directing in the future
0: well, I think that his prep work, you know, is so extensive that mm-hmm. he really has done all of his homework ahead of time. He's He sees the entire movie in his head. He's so clear on what he wants and what he's going for. Mm-hmm. He's done all that work ahead of time. So, obviously, you know, you do need to kind of bend and shift when things come up in the moment. Yeah. But it's just set, it's just done. And then he just brings this very easy energy to the set. He makes everybody feel at home and at ease. You know, there were moments where we were shooting and he'd go, you know, sit down with a couple of the, you know, background performers and, you know, really include them and make them feel important because they are, right? Yeah. Everybody is important to the filmmaking process. And he's so great. Uh, treating everybody equally and having it feel like a very um, we're all in this together and you're a part of it and I'm a part of it and there's just the there was no ego the way that he would speak to everybody on the same level and kind of crack jokes and sing songs and you know just bring this light energy and that's that's such a beautiful way to work because at the end of the day come on we're not you know we're not curing corona we're (laughs) making (laughs) Making a fun movie.
2: Yeah, yeah. Zack Snyder is my, my favorite director. I know all his movies inside out. What are your favorite uh, Zach movies? Have you seen all or most of his movies? And what do you think of the movies he makes in his career so far, even before?
0: I mean, uh, he's brilliant. Um, I, I love, you know, I mean, he's just so visual. Mm-hmm. His movies are so visually pleasing. And, and also have the story element as well, you know? like. Mm-hmm. I love Man of Steel, the the emotional arc oh, of Superman, geez. right? It's deep and yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, obviously 300 really sticks out because that was the one that really just was like, whoa, <laughs> visually is just so cool. And yeah, I don't know. Again, I, th- I'm just a fan of all yeah. of it. Yeah. I'm such a fan of all of it.
2: If you haven't seen Sucker Punch, you need to see it. And don't listen to any of the reviews because they didn't understand the movie. Um, Circuit Punch is is a great movie. And I feel like as a person who has a background in stunts, um, you really yeah. appreciate the action in it. But it also has- So uh, good. A story about female empowerment and he said it's about how women are treated in hollywood Yes, and, it's and i know
0: i've heard some people sort of like misrepresent that or like i don't know how they got something else out of that but absolutely that's what it is it is and it's beautiful again visually stunning and then just great story and um and again you mentioned music earlier chris like his yeah. use of music mm-hmm. in his work is
2: um, is so great. Always that, top much. that one always.
0: sequence, yeah. Emotive,
2: always emotive. One last so, Army of the Dead is my most anticipated movie of 2020. I hope it's still coming out. I'm not going to ask you whether it is or not because, um cuz I don't know. <laughs> because even if you knew and you're going to say oh it's not I don't want to hear it. I want to live in bliss <laughs> until.
0: <laughs> yeah. Until no, I end. don't I I know as much as everybody else out there. I really don't I don't know what's happening um but I am so looking forward
2: to it. All right. Uh, so,
0: it's going to be really great. That I can tell you. Yeah, that exactly- I feel Confident. That's
2: what I wanted to hear about. Like, as someone who's anticipating it, and I've seen Zack's other movie, this this is different, right? I mean, I remember Dawn of the Dead. That one, I mean, it does have action in it, but it's more of a horror movie, although it does have action in it. Then we have 300, we know what that is. You know, like a historic epic. Then, you know, we have superhero, over. we have Sucker Punch. But this one feels a little bit Different.
0: Well, this one is so special because if you think about, you know, from from Dawn of the Dead, the evolution of Zach's, yeah. you know, he's, you know, we've all grown and aged and expanded and learned and, you know, he's had all this experience working on these huge, um, you know, studio pictures and, and so now to be given the opportunity to um, really have the kind of creative control he had on ARMY is... Wow. Um, I, I'm so excited to see it come together because as, I'm sure it's not a secret and I'm sure you guys know he was running camera and yeah yeah you know, I think he, he wrote it like I mean he was just involved in every aspect and and have that that kind of control that I think every director would like to have and he's earned his way there and now he's been given it with this you know beautiful opportunity thank you Netflix exactly. and um. Yeah, so I think it's going to be tremendous. Yeah,
1: yeah, he mentioned when he announced
2: the film that the handcuffs are off on this. And yeah. Yeah, that you really excites me. Specifically, yeah, same. So, I, I mean, you've worked with other, other directors. You yourself, you're a director. You've had you know, your cinematography, your cinematographer. You've had, um, you know, your cameraman. So what What was it like seeing a director like Zach? Massive director, and he's the DOP on his own movie and it's not like it's a small sort of you know quiet drama like what what was that like to to see and i don't know that must be mind-blowing to experience that it's
0: bananas (laughs) it's bananas yeah no but it's so cool you know i mean it it makes sense again because like i said he sees he sees Mm -hmm. the movie so like you might as well put the camera in his hand true Cause he's already yeah. seeing it in his mind's eye. So rather than Uh-oh. having to communicate it to somebody else, although, you know, he works beautifully with, you know, his DP is like, Larry Fong and yeah. all yeah. the yeah. other ones that he's worked with. I mean, they're all phenomenal, mm-hmm. um, but exciting to, to see him like, you know, pick up the camera and run around with it. And yeah, it was so cool. I'm so excited to see it.
1: So while we're still on the topic of Zack Snyder, Why don't you give us the four most important words in Hollywood right now?
0: Oh, well, that's an easy one. Release the Snyder cut.
1: Yes, Yes. (laughs) it's coming. So how did your time working on uh, The Walking Dead, the torn apart webisodes
2: help you
1: help you in preparation for your role on on Zach's film? And I may or may not be trying to get a reveal of what kind of role (laughs) you have here. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'm not going to fall for that one. Um, <laughs> well, uh, on Torn Apart, uh, The Walking Dead, that was a webisode that bridged, it was actually the first webisodes, and yeah. it was the ones that bridged season one to season two, and that was so right. much fun, and I did play a zombie on that. was awesome, mm-hmm. like the incredible prosthetics of K&B, Greg <laughs> Nicotero's team, um, and Greg Nicotero actually directed that episode and he and I had worked together several times in the past so he um, he had brought me on for that which was a massive compliment and I'm so excited to see his success with that franchise.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Walking Dead fan and
0: mm. yeah
1: I, I watch all the uh, Talking Dead you know the after show and all of that I absolutely love it And it's so
0: great to be a part of that because that those fans, they're like Zach fans, you know, the Walking Dead fans and Zach fans, I'd say are like the biggest, like most amazing group of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to be a part of that was very very cool because i did get a lot of interaction with the fans and i love that like i love hearing from them and then just to get you know decked out in all that like dead drapey skin <laughs> yeah if anyone really... hasn't
1: seen it if anyone hasn't seen the the, the makeup cool. that you're in in that episode <laughs> jesus is scary like you've got no no lips no nothing just teeth blaring out and then there's a specific uh action scene where you where you let's just say as it is you take an axe to the head
0: <laughs> I, I certainly do I, I start off as the lovely stepmother and then end up as a you know drooling zombie with an axe to the head so there you go that's walking dead but yeah it was you know it was uh, a great fun it's it's always fun to get to play zombies and these crazy characters I've gotten to be vampires and ghosts and all kinds of weird alien things, but zombies are always fun. I don't know, there's, you know, people love zombies, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. I have one last army of the dead question. One last army. And it's that, is is there a storyline in which you guys try to get tissue, paper, and hand sanitizer,
0: because... (laughs) 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 Yes, you got me on that one, spoiler alert.
2: <laughs> who
0: knew? I, I, I mean, thought that that was gonna be a thing. It was so who bizarre. Knew? Who knew? <laughs> I mean, we I- couldn't possibly be using more toilet paper now than we were two months ago.
1: Like, were people not wiping their backsides before? <laughs> like, what's wrong no. with people? Wash yourself.
0: <laughs> exactly
2: so danielle it's been an amazing interview it's it's been wonderful getting to know you this felt more like a discussion like a like a meet cute rather than like a a, an official interview um we have one last question for you and this is a question we ask all our guests uh we have this thing that we call exiled for a reason now the reason why we call ourselves film exiles is because we can have some pretty hot film takes we're not afraid to be unpopular we don't care about you know films that have like the best reviews or the worst reviews we just love what we love and um, yeah we've been banished to the wastelands of the cinematic uh, landscape because of that so we're gonna ask you what is your most daring boldest hottest film take what's the film take that's gonna get you exiled from film Twitter. Uh, for example, for me, I say that um, Batman v Superman's a masterpiece.
1: Okay, Chris. That, that, Chris. that that's a hot take in most people's circles, in most but not in our circles. Well, for me, uh, for example, uh, I think that Crash, that one um, best picture over Capote, Brokeback Mountain, Munich, is very maligned. But for me, I feel that he actually deserved that best picture winner back then. I also think Batman Begins is a better movie than The Dark Knight, for example.
0: So, I I feel like I always have too much to say on everything, and now you've really stumped me. <laughs> I have <laughs> nothing to say.
1: What would you What would you be embarrassed to admit?
0: A that film I like.
1: that like that, you would be embarrassed to admit.
0: Um, I don't know. Well. <laughs> I have no idea. I just, I don't know if this qualifies. I just watched Big Trouble in Little China the other night, which for me is just one of my favorite films of all time. <laughs> Maybe now in in this day, looking back, it's, um, it's kind of a goofy thing, but I don't know. I still think there's a lot of people out there that love that movie.
2: I love it, I love it.
0: I mean, I grew up on um, Clash of the Titans. That was something we watched every oh, year.
2: I, you know what? You know, Daniel, I told you, me and you, we're buddies. We're buddies. Is that it? Okay. When, when I was a kid, so like my dad is um he's a very unique individual. Let's put it that way. And I love him to death. And looking back on my childhood, I really thank him. So when when I was a kid, obviously as a kid you want to watch all the Disney movies and the cartoons that everyone is watching at school and you know even when you go to your friend's house you get to watch that. And we tell our dad, oh dad we want to watch Aladdin. We want to watch you know Beauty and the Beast. And you know what he'd do? He'd put in Clash of the Titans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we watch it every year like clockwork and we would just love it i don't mean I just go back and watch it now and it's atrocious but
2: yeah uh. but but that's that's what we that's that's what you know i grew up on and it informed a lot of my 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 film my film tastes um so yeah there you go that is it Official.
0: Nostalgia. I think we
1: can induct you into the the film exile hall of fame. I think you you you
2: made it with that one. That's a okay, good one. Okay, good. So be- before we leave, what uh, what's on the horizon for you? Is there anything? I mean, apart from you know Army of the Dead, is there anything that you want us to look forward to? Even if it's a podcast episode that you have uh, scheduled, or if it's a project you're working on, or anything you'd like to draw attention to, we'd like to we'd like to spotlight that.
0: Thank you. No, I mean Army is definitely the big ticket item, and then um, the Women Kick Ass podcast releases on the fifteenth of every month. So I'd love for people to tune in and and have a listen. Um, and yeah, everything else I'm doing is very behind the scenes at the moment. So I never like to talk about anything until it's actually happening. But there's all kinds of good things brewing, and I think in the in the time to come, you'll be seeing me a little bit more as a filmmaker. Um, but also those projects will have me on screen, in, not on all of them, but on some of them. So I'm really looking forward to the new venture of doing more of the writing and producing. Uh, but I always love acting, so I hope there's going to be lots more of that.
1: We, hope well, so. we, have, we have a lot of anticipation for what's coming ahead. Um, this has been an incredible interview, Danielle. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a really great experience for us as well and we really hope to have you on in the future Um, and you can maybe talk more openly about ARMY and all your other exciting projects coming up ahead. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you on social media or or if you've got a website or absolutely anything that you want to talk about um, before we close out.
0: Thank you. Uh, well, I am on Vero, as you mentioned, and I think my handle on there is Danny1111, and I spell Danny, D-A-N-I. Uh, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Both of those are dannyburgio 1111 um, And then I have my website is DanielleBergio.com. It's it's all pretty easy. Um, but what you might not know is, I'll throw in a little extra thing on the side, I actually make jewelry. So I have, uh, it's soulshine.la and um that's just a little creative thing i like to do on the side so i've got that on instagram with that as well excellent um just want to give a shout out to my eight month old puppy who has been sitting here so quiet the whole time good good girl ripley (laughs) oh that's brilliant
1: that's brilliant
0: and what else that's it you guys are so awesome i've had so much fun it's been a, a like a total hoot for me to be on the oh. other side of the podcast so really really fun thank you and i would love to come back on after army comes out i, I think that would be good we can then we can really talk about some stuff
1: that's um, lovely to, to hear you. lupe why don't you tell everyone where they can find you
2: well i have been yours truly lupe you can find me on twitter at live love lupe you can find me also on vero also at live love lupe uh once again gotta say thank you danielle i'm a huge fan of yours uh, i consider you a superstar and now a friend as well and i look forward to you know talking and conversing great stuff great stuff and
1: i've been chris and you can find me across all social media at vinaldo7 obviously we'd love to hear your feedback on this great interview with danielle Leave your messages in the comments below. If you like the video, hit like. Please subscribe to our channel if you enjoy our content. And hit us up on Twitter at The Film Exiles. We love to talk about all kinds of films. Thank you for joining us in the spotlight. And until next time, stay exiled.